Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you, God, that you are for us. We thank you, Jesus, because you are with us and that you are good, you are kind, that you give strength and hope and peace. And God, with all the anxiety, with all the nervousness, with all the questions, all the wondering and even the wandering, we just ask that you would bring us back to you. May our hope be in you. May our joy be with you. May we love to declare who you are and to find rest in knowing that we are hidden with you in God. So Jesus, we thank you that you care about us. We thank you that we can praise you. We thank you that we can run to you. We thank you, Father, that you know our hearts. So Father, join us with others that are compelled by your spirit to live differently, that others would know you. So Father, we just say thank you that you are at work and you've invited us to join you So may we be a church, may we be a people, the followers of you, that love you and live you and share with others your goodness in word and in deed. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, thank you so much for uh, joining and being a part. Two weeks ago, we finished with Colossians 2.15, which said, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God put our enemies, he put the powers to shame. He put those that were going against him to shame. Once again, this is Paul writing from prison to people that he had not met, but to people that wanted to follow Jesus, that had started an organized local church, we would say, a small group that met in homes, and they wanted to learn about Jesus, but they had this tendency to use this thought of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and mix it with their own thinking. They did not think that the physical presence of the literal man in Jesus had much to do with anything. All they cared about was this intellectual knowledge, the spiritual understanding of the supernatural that really motivated them to live in the intellectual, in the supernatural. And Jesus is saying through Paul and his writing to them, as a local church, excuse me. He's saying it's important that you do that in the practical of everyday life. I've shared this several times, and now I've been the pastor of the church where a lot of my stories are on repeat. I apologize, but that's why we need to invite new people so they don't get bored with my stories and you can kind of chuckle at their first response. But when I went to Bible college in New Brunswick, Canada, exchange rate was a great uh, rate at the time I went back in the uh, mid-90s, but I digress. We had an all-night prayer meeting, and an impromptu guys in the dorm just got together, and we started praying, and it was just amazing. And it just seemed like God was there, and it was just a wonderful time where you really sensed and felt God's presence. Well, the next day, we had class, and some of us went to class, and others just did not go to class. And one of the professors just said, where's so-and-so? And where's so-and-so? And that student's missing as well. And huh, it seems like some of the people that typically are in this class should be in this class aren't here. And somebody spoke up and said, well, we had an all-night prayer meeting and it was awesome. And God showed up. And the professor at the Bible college, in all his wisdom, said, that is wonderful and that is awesome. 
but if God's uh, delight can't show up in the practical of everyday life, then what good is it? And I still remember those words, and I am still convicted that sometimes we get so wrapped up in the spiritual, sometimes the emotions of the spiritual, that we forget to live out the goodness of God in the everyday practical. And God would put that to shame and allow us to say we could triumph triumph over those things. Uh, we move on to verse 16, and this is 16 chapter 2 in Colossians, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. And I just think so many times we take things out of context. We'd read this verse. We'd say, yeah, don't let judge, don't let anyone judge you. Excuse me. We'd say, don't judge me. Don't worry about what I'm doing. You pay attention to yourself. You be you. I'll be me. And everything will be okay. Don't let anyone judge you. But the context is Christians can. You need to. You must judge or call out or hold accountable other followers of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. That's why when a pastor or a small group facilitator or a Christian brother, a Christian sister, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, one that's mentored you, one that's helped you. They can judge you. They can hold you accountable. They can call into question certain things about your spiritual life, about how you're handling money, how you're treating people, how you care for the sick, how you are reaching out to those that are in need. We can hold one another accountable to that. There is context to this verse. There's context to this thought. And so in this, it is not about control or authority or ritual, tradition, loyalty, or manipulation. It's not don't judge anyone uh, by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. This is much greater than that. It's been interesting. Uh, I'll just simply share that uh, someone I know was drinking a Coca-Cola or a soda, and the person next to him said, oh, you really shouldn't drink that. That's not very good for you. But the person that was there was drinking a uh, high alcohol content adult beverage. And there was just some irony in that. I was like, oh, you should not have that high fructose corn syrup, but I'm going to drink this. And it's just uh, humorous to me how sometimes we try to manipulate. We try to think that, oh, we can control the situation. And God is saying, no, you don't have to control what is taking place. You can understand that being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus. Being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus, which comes down to a hard spot when we are trying to disciple people. We're trying to have people follow Jesus and understand his ways. So sometimes we set up these rules. We set up this law. We look to scripture and we say, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. And again, this is when a lot of people, and still are, and for some good reason, whether it was pork, which is in the same Old Testament law as tattoos and piercings, but where it was just don't do these things. And also religious festivals, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. This is growing up, my parents, and honor your father and mother, this is a promise that scripture tells us, a command that he wants us to do, honor your parents. But the Sabbath day 
is not simply one day. Now, before you throw me out as a heretic, before you get upset with what I'm saying, I'm saying sometimes we hold so fast to the method, to the law, to the rules that we think we have to do certain things. So honoring your parents, my parents said when we were growing up, you couldn't watch TV on Sunday. That was the only day you can watch TV. And we didn't have cable or satellite or any of those things. So I missed out on some sports. So what I did, my parents allowed me to do, I went over to the pastor's house and watched the NBA finals or whatever the case might be. But sometimes we think about the Old Testament, the the law, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, the Ten Commandments. And we think that this is what everything means is the Old Testament. But Jesus is what everything means. Jesus is what life is about. Being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We find rest in who Jesus is, not one 24-hour time period, and say, this is where I rest. We find our Sabbath in Jesus. And yes, And so for those that are Seventh-day Adventists or familiar with them, you talk about the life expectancy of those that exhibit one day off from work. There is much proof and evidence that say there's a tremendous benefit. But what if we just reduce Jesus to one day a week? Then we are in error and we are wrong. We need to find our Sabbath rest in Jesus every minute of every day of each week of our lives. So we don't reduce him down to one thing. And so if somebody doesn't show up for church, yes, it's disappointing to me and to you, but we just pray that they are meeting with Jesus, that they're enjoying his presence, that they're allowing him to use them to reach out to their family, to the lost, to be an encouragement to them, to be an answer to someone's prayer. And yes, that removes control or manipulation from me, the pastor, or you, the spiritual guide, But it allows us to be free in Jesus. So let's be free in Jesus. Sin, attending church, well, that's more for us to be an encouragement to us. As we move on to verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ, a shadow of things to come. As we talked about with uh, Kenny's Life Verse, the memory verse for This month, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The valley of the shadow. I believe it was Rick Warren. He was talking that when you're driving and there's a big box truck that goes past you and there's a shadow cast from that box truck and it's onto your car, it can be nerve wracking. It can make you aware of the proximity of that box truck, but it is not falling on you. It's not running over the top of you. It's something that makes us aware, but it is not reality. And what Jesus is telling us is that the reality is he is our Sabbath. The reality is that we can find great hope in who Jesus is and what he wants, what he desires. That as his followers, as Those that uh, go after Jesus, he is our Sabbath rest. Jesus wants us, his followers, which is greater than believers. Uh, I was challenged by a sermon by Andy Stanley that said, don't just be a believer because even the demons believe in God and they're more in awe of who he is. And sometimes we are, but be followers of Jesus and find in him that he is our Sabbath rest. 
as we look to Colossians 2.18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Who are you following? Who are you listening to? Who are you watching? Do they delight in false humility? Can you tell? Like, they are not emotionally healthy. There's just something uh, a little bit off. And yes, there's a lot about me that's a little bit off but there's just something that's out of place out of character but we make excuses we say well they have a good heart well they're really trying hard or or is it a character flaw where there's an integrity issue and Jesus needs to come in and they need to allow God to remove that to replace that with his holiness with his goodness with his kindness do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Who are we listening to? Who are we seeking advice from? Do not go to those that just might have a platform or might have power or some authority, but go to those that are humble, that find that being hidden with Christ in God is the most meaningful thing, that their identity is as a follower of Jesus. It's one that is not leading, but that's one that's hidden with Jesus, that one that abides in God. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions of their unspiritual mind. They think that if they can make up thoughts, if they can do certain things, then that's going to draw greater attention. They start talking about their own philosophy of their way of life, their own philosophy of how they would see things. Now, there's this thought that vulnerability is important. Brene Brown, I appreciate her writings a lot, but vulnerability without accountability is simply a pity party. This is something I phrased. I like it. You might tweet it. You might disagree, but vulnerability without accountability is only a pity party. If somebody is just talking with great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And they just drone on and on, and they want to be in the middle of the conversation. Yes, this has been convicting to me as I prepared and as I researched and I studied for this sermon. Because it's not just about what we have to say of our story that could one-up one others, our ideas, our thoughts that people might be drawn to. But it's how much are we spiritually minded, focused on who Jesus is, that we understand that vulnerability without accountability is only a pity party. So do we want help? Do we want to receive a coach or do we just want a cheerleader? Do you want somebody that will challenge you, that will hold you to a standard that calls you out on the things that God wants you to be a part of. Yes, we are not calling out one another on what you're eating or how you exhibit uh, your life at a religious festival, but we are saying, how are you presenting yourself as a follower of Jesus? How are you living your life as one that's been redeemed, that's been forgiven, that is healed or continually being healed? by who Jesus is. Do you want a coach or do we just settle for a cheerleader? Somebody that puffs us up, something that talks nonsense, but we feel good about ourselves or someone that is based in the truth of who, what scripture is, who scripture is, and we can go forward with Jesus, who Jesus is. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. The worship of angels 
And as we get more about the things of this world, the supernatural, the mystical, the higher power, the greater than than me, do we understand, do we realize, do we point to the fact that that is Jesus, that is God, that is the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the one that loves us so much? Or do we start to seek after the things that would, could, possibly, would just draw to make sense, but they leave out the truth of who Jesus is? This is Jesus that we need. This is Jesus that we want, not crystals, not signs and wonders of other things, but only Jesus. This is who we desire. This is Jesus that we seek. We seek the healer, not the healing. We seek the Savior, not simply his miracles. And as we look at verse 19, they have lost connection with a head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow, grows as God causes it to grow. Have you lost connection? Have you lost connection with who Jesus is, what God wants, what God desires from us? Have we been disjointed? It's not just something that's out of joint. It's not just something that's unplugged. It's something that has been severed to become separated. Have you been severed from the body of Christ? Have you been severed from the truth of Jesus to become separated? This is a great fear. It should be a fear or a worry or a concern of those that we do not judge but that we hold accountable. What do they desire? Do they desire the truth of what Scripture says in John 15? I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus speaking, remain in me. Also, I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You are severed. You are of no use. You have zero power. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you." This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, my followers, those that believe in me to the point where they follow me. This is again John 15, starting again at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, 
but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We must remain, abide, and rest in him. Find our Sabbath rest in who he is, not in a spiritual ritual or a uh, Christian tradition, but that we would find our rest in who Jesus truly is. That's John 15, 1 through 17. Rest, abide, remain in him. Remain in him. Though we get tossed about, though we wonder what God is doing, how do we remain in Him? Well, we know His love in such a way where we love one another. We love one another. We love to care for each other. We love to be with each other. We love to challenge one another so that there might be greater discipleship, spiritual formation, growth in our own lives, that we are constantly maturing and changing. So we are overflowing with who he is onto one another, whether they want Jesus or don't want Jesus, they will respond to true, sincere love, not control, not manipulation, but true, sincere love. So Jesus, may we love you. May we live you, and may we share with others the goodness of who you are. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org, as well as don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, where you can catch live stream versions of these services, as well as other content. Have a great day.